Hello and thank you for listening to episode 390 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one I chat with writer, director Rob Jabaz, who wrote and directed The Sadness. And I'm saying that as you can probably even hear with a big smile on my face because I love this film. It was and is so good. And if you haven't seen it yet and you're a horror fan, you're, you're going to love it. Uh, it's shown at Fright Fest. It is going to be shown at the upcoming Grimfest. So if you haven't got a ticket for Grimfest, buy one immediately. It's a fantastic festival. I've been covering it since 2016. And uh, I'm absolutely gutted that I won't be there this year. This is the first year that I'm going to miss it. Obviously, last year it was all online, but we had some great coverage, even though I do say so myself, with lots of interviews with the filmmakers and actors, etc. This year, as I sit here recording on Thursday, the 30th of September, uh, I go into hospital tomorrow. If you listen to a lot of our podcasts, you may already know that I've been waiting for quite a long time for an operation. It is happening tomorrow, Friday, the 1st of October. So I can't get to Grimfest. Uh, It is also uh, a warning or a heads up, I should say, that this is going to be the last podcast for a little bit while I recover. There'll be no website updates or podcasts until I'm able to, uh, well, get up on my feet and sit where I am now upstairs doing all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I will be checking on the emails occasionally and I will still be active on Twitter. So if you don't already follow us on Twitter at 60MW Podcast, now is a really good time to do because you'll uh, you'll get up-to-date news on when I will eventually be getting the whole 60MW machine up and running again. We've already got some great shows, uh, well, sat in front of me on my desktop waiting. So you've got, you've got some good stuff coming out here. So yeah, follow us on Twitter. But before then, of course, have a listen to me and Rob have a chat about The Great The Sadness. If you want to watch us, this is yet another um, interview show that is on our YouTube channel. So go over there, subscribe, of course. Surely you are all subscribed already to the YouTube channel. If not, go, go and do it now, because there's a lot more that's going to go on to there. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just get just get ready for a really good chat with, with Rob and go and see the sadness. Rob, thank you for joining me. Uh, me and Tina have watched the sadness and all we can say is, wow, we absolutely loved it great work congratulations appreciate it uh it went down a storm at fright fest recently it's coming up to Grimfest here in the uk i think mm-hmm. this is now my year number six of covering Grimfest. awesome yeah. festival and i know people are, are gonna love it there and i know that this is a question obviously you, you've been asked loads and loads of times but for the sake of our audience that might not know what the sadness is about mm-hmm. can you give them an outline of what to expect when they watch it and they bloody should watch it yeah i mean uh well i mean in terms of just like the plot it's about a virus that uh you know turns people into uh, uh homicidal sex perverts and they and essentially the that's sort of the backdrop of a, a couple a young couple who uh part ways and like right as right as this uh sort of epidemic of of depravity and violence begins and they have to find their way back to each other over the course of the film and um the the plot is fairly um basic i wouldn't say that it's uh like 
thin. I would just say that it's like bare bones because I, I wanted to make something that was, uh, you know, like a, a lot of, a lot of meat, no fat kind of thing. Like I, I was, I had, I had four, uh, I had horror fans in mind for this one. I, I really wanted to just sort of, uh, you know, cut to the chase and, and try to deliver the, deliver all the kind of stuff that, um, you know, fans of maybe films of a bygone, uh, decade, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like people who are fans of those kinds of films, like the films of maybe the, the, the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. um, maybe they miss some of those things. So I just wanted to kind of deliver, um, and I, like make something that doesn't really feel like a, a throwback or a retro film, but has kind of the spirit of that kind of, uh, that kind of filmmaking, the filmmaking of, of let's say guys like uh, Stuart Gordon or, or maybe old yeah. Sam Raimi, or maybe even, uh, you know, old Peter Jackson. Although I'm, I don't think that I've made anything uh, quite as iconic as that, but I definitely gave it my best try. I don't know about iconic, but you've, you've given, you've given me and Tina and many others, I'm sure a film that lives long in the memory and one thing that immediately springs to mind, because we've been watching films for a long, long time. And when you've been watching films for any amount of time, there's always certain lines that stick in your head, you know, go ahead, make my day, I'll be back, all of these. You've given me a line, Rob, that will forever be stuck in there. And the line is, uh, her eyeball juice is still, is still drying on my cock. <laughs> that'll be in there forever, Rob. So yeah, well, that, that was, that was definitely a, uh, a real, a real spark of inspiration when I came up with that one. I think, I think that, uh, during, we were kind of thinking of that little speech and, uh, we were, it was almost like a writer's room format. Like we had about five people just at the office kind of just trying to think because we were, we were trying to jazz up some of the, some of the dialogue. And uh, we also, that, that particular speech, you may not realize, but that particular speech is not in Chinese. It's in the, the, uh, the Taiwanese dialect. Um, ah, and, uh, okay. That, that tends to be the, the language that is used for vulgarity in Taiwan for better or for worse. Like when someone All wants right. to like cuss you out they, in Taiwan, they, they swear at you in, in Taiwanese. So, it, it it sounds a lot more uh, uh, a lot more like vulgar and, and rude when you use that particular <laughs> language, and um, we were just trying to kind of come up with some stuff on the fly with with a couple of people who who spoke that particular dialect very well because not everyone in Taiwan does speak that. Uh, it's 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 uh, usually like uh, a, an, a maybe like a little bit of an older generation that kind of speaks it more. And uh, anyways, yeah. So we we, we kind of we're coming up with stuff, but. I can definitely take credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that will never be forgotten, Rob. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know, you were you were born and raised in Canada, right? And then you moved to Taiwan. That's correct. So how long how long have you been in Taiwan? Um, like I think I'm going on thirteen years now. Wow. Because yeah. we were talking before we started recording, and my friend who was who was born over here in the UK, then emigrated to Canada, and and lived very close to where to where you were brought up mm-hmm. and now he lives in taiwan as well is it is it a popular destination for canadians to go over to, to taiwan or is it just pure coincidence i think that it used to be like i think that um there i think that I, maybe it's not the same today but I, I remember at one point it was like just a lot easier in terms of like kind of 
pack a bag and, and go and you can sort of figure things out. And like the, the, uh, visa restrictions are, are pretty lax. Uh, that, that was the thing with me was that like, I, I'd have American friends that had to go to Hong Kong, uh, you know, whatever, like every three months to do kind of like a, a visa renewal. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wouldn't have to because I was, uh, cause I was Canadian. So I guess just Taiwan had a particular, like just at the time, because right now I have like a, a, like a permanent alien residence card. So that allows me just to, that's essentially the same thing as a green card or something. But back yeah. then um, when you actually had to kind of maintain a visa, um, Ameri- my American friends were al- always had that on their mind, but I didn't really have to. So I think, yeah, it was definitely more chill for Canadians, uh, at least at one point. So how are you with the language then? Because what was the language barriers? What is, is it like as, you know, a Canadian in Taiwan making a film? Yeah, my, like I, I'd love, to, I'd love to, to come on this show and tell you how fluent I am with Chinese, but I, the, the truth is, is that I'm not. I, uh, I spend most of my time like animating and stuff, and it doesn't really um, give me much of like a, an incentive to, to really hunker down and like, get very good at speaking Chinese. I mean, I, I can do, I, can, I have my day-to-day Chinese stuff that I can use to kind of, you know, survive, get food, go to the doctor, go to the bank, uh, get like a, a, a motorbike repaired. But as far as like, you know, <laughs> sitting down and really getting to know someone in Chinese is, is, is not really within my ability. And the same thing too with um, directing a film. Like mm-hmm. I definitely needed a... Uh, a bilingual director's unit to kind of uh, help to, to get that kind of thing to, to get, you know, to get across the things that needed to get it to, to needed to be gotten across. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I, I have uh, just as an aside, I, I feel like learning a language is a lot like uh, quitting smoking. Like you don't, you, you can't really do it unless there's actually like an immediate concern. Like if you have, <laughs> if you have some sort of like, you know, crazy heart, palpitation thing that that causes you to go to the hospital or like maybe you have your first child or something like there's not really any real incentive to quit smoking <laughs> it's the same thing with a, with learning a language it's like you need to you, it needs to be like if i don't learn this language i'm gonna starve you know or yeah. or something like that <laughs> yeah so that's the way i see it and so far i haven't st- haven't you know been in any kind of real dire need to get any better but but i i kind of want to because uh i feel like it would i feel like maybe there's there's more more films to be made in Taiwan, and I'd like to have a little bit more. I'd like to uh, rely a little bit less on people and be able to do more things myself in terms of like filmmaking. Yeah. Well, how did, how did the sadness come about then? What was the the genesis of it all? I mean, it was it was all basically because of COVID nineteen. Um, essentially, what happened was uh, COVID nineteen hit, and Taiwan dealt with it very uh, effectively early on, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, the, everything was just fine for about, uh, you know, a year, maybe a little longer than that, maybe like 12 months or uh, sorry, uh, 14 months or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, my, my financer, the, the guy who I was working for at the time, who, who would become the financer of the sadness, um, his name is Jeffrey Huang. And he just had the bright idea of, um, we should do a movie right now because if we can do it really fast and release it, we won't have any competition from mm-hmm. American, uh, yeah. films because, um, generally speaking, American films are the only competition. Like, you know, if, if there's an American film in the theater, that's it. Like that, that's what people will go see. They're not going to see the local Taiwanese film. 
So if we, if we have one, if we kind of line it up so that we have one coming out and there's nothing else kind of it's running against and we're the only ones in the theater, um, we have stand a good chance of making some money. But um, so that, that was basically the, the, that's why we made the sadness. And as far as the idea came about, it was just like, well, we should make it about a pandemic because that's what people, that's what's on people's minds. Um, and it, you know, it's, we're looking at sort of what the most popular stuff on Netflix is right now. And it's like, you know, contagion and like, you know, zombie <laughs> stuff. And, and it was just like, okay, should yeah. we make something like a, like that? And, uh, and they said, yeah, sure. And I said, well, can I, can I, can I make it a little bit like different? Can we make it a bit crazier and like uh, try to make it scarier? Maybe like give me a chance to kind of, um, bring a new, well, you know, bring a, bring a, a, a dose of severity, like back into it, like something that'll just kind of, uh, bring it to that next level. And, uh, you know, uh, he said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Try to do that. So I, I kind of, uh, looked to a couple sources of, uh, you know, stuff that I thought was pretty cool and sort of the, the, the zombie genre, uh, and, uh, you know, wrote a script and then next thing you know, uh, we were making it and, and we made the whole thing from the time that pen got put to paper to the time that we released it was about six or seven months. So it was a super, super fast production. Very, very quick. Yeah. You've, you've got people in it, of course, whose inhibitions have gone and they're doing, they're just going absolutely crazy. When you, when you got to the script writing stage, did you come up with any ideas where you thought, oh, no, I can't put that in? Or was it just throw everything that you could think of that um, was in there? There was, I mean, um, it, yeah, you, you can, when you're writing stuff, you know, it's just words on a page. It's more about like what you're showing, like an, an idea, like putting an idea in, in someone's head is one thing. And then actually rubbing it in their face, rubbing their nose in it is, uh, is another thing. Right. And I mean, for example, the, uh, the line that you brought up before, I don't want to spoil anything for the, for our viewers, but the line that you brought up before, um, relates to a, an incident that happens earlier. And, uh, and you'll, you'll note that I, I could have probably got gone a lot more graphic when, with that yeah. than I did. Right. But yeah. I, didn't, I didn't because I felt like, um, uh, um, when you, when you make a when you're making a movie, you kind of want the audience to stay on your side. You want them to kind of, um, be on, be kind of, you know, rooting, rooting for the film, even if it's sort of at a subconscious level and, and sort of doing something like that is a good way to kind of make the audience, resent the film uh yeah and so i just that's kind of that's just the way that i that's my philosophy about sort of filmmaking it's like you have to kind of um you're, you have to make it with the audience in mind but at the same time like don't you know you don't have to treat the audience like a uh like a a child you know you you but you you definitely have to kind of be um, you know, it be, be making something sort of in service of the audience and you don't want them to turn on you. So, yeah. so it's about, um, kind of, um, it's about just sort of, uh, writing the fine line between, uh, offending, like seriously offending someone and, but then also <laughs> sort of giving them something that maybe they haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that really is where I was standing. And it's this sort of, uh, uh, you have to have this kind of, sensitivity to sort of what where, where's where's the line you know am i which side of the line am i on right now and trying to make sure that you you uh don't go too far i guess mm -hmm. 
So well, it, it definitely worked because we were sat there and we were thinking, he's not going to do that, is he? He's not going to do that. Whoa, he's going to do that. And that was, he, did. He, he went there. And it was one of those films that there was just, there was just me and Tina sat watching it at home. Uh, we got sent the advanced screener from Grimfest. Right. And there was audible whoops and cheers coming from it. And that's just two of us sat at home, Rob. So you can, I can only imagine what it's going to be like, at, you know, when it playing festivals, like I said, it's already played Fright Fest. It's going to be playing Grim Fest. It's going to, it's going to be a definite crowd pleaser. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, uh, Fright Fest it went off great. Uh, it went off really well in, in Paris too uh, at La Tranche Festival. Um, it also went off. I, I, also, I got the, the most laughs that we got from the film. We got at uh, Motel X in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, read that whatever way you want to read it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> the, the Portuguese really, uh, they, they like to laugh, I guess. I don't know, but like, uh, I, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was like a defensive laughter. No, I wasn't. It was, it was genuine, real laughter at a lot, at a lot of the stuff, which, which I liked, you know, I, I like, yeah, yeah. I like how there are still people who can kind of take the film in a, uh, you know, like sort of take it as sort of just like pulp, you know, eat like, or as a uh, schlock. Cause I think that it can be taken that way, but if you want to take it kind of in a more serious way, like it, it you, you're able to, you know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, a ser- more serious tone than like, say something like, um, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, uh, something like uh, brain dead or, or dead alive, depending on what part of the world you're from, mm-hmm. like the, uh, yeah. the Peter Jackson film, like that's very obviously meant to be for fun. Whereas the sadness, it's like, yeah, maybe, Maybe this is this could be taken seriously. Like it's kind of treated pretty seriously, but um, I don't know. Whatever. I'll, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but you understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's got heart as well because there's a good uh, a good speech right near the end as well that w- that got us and we went, oh wow, that's that's a great way to finish it as well. Again, oh, without yeah. giving spoilers away. Yeah, I'm was- I'm very happy with the finale. I think the finale is was was actually sort of something that I I rewrote. Uh, like we we kind of. Uh, greenlit the script and the script had initially a different ending, but then I kind of had a better idea later on. And uh, the, the the better idea was the, uh, was the, was the idea that you see. Yeah. Uh, The the first idea was more one plus one equals two kind of like simple, but I think the new, the new, the new ending is a lot more kind of dark and kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and kind of makes you think about, it makes you think about sort of what the virus means in a broader sense and stuff. And I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. It works perfectly. And again, speaking of working perfectly, the casting, having, you know, a middle-aged businessman as one of the, you know, the main bad guys, as it were, in it is, is brilliant. We, we loved it because very often you'll see, you know, like the jock figures are, are put into that role and it's good because that character does come up against a jock figure and the sort of the roles are, are reversed. What was it like when it got to the casting of the film? Because I think his casting is brilliant in it. And he's he's a character that I think I just there's certain characters in films where you immediately linked and you love them, even though they're really evil and they're doing horrible things. Right. In a strange sort of way, you're rooting for them because you like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I that that particular uh, actor, his name is uh, Wang Zichang, uh sorry Wang Zichang, and um, he uh, he just came in. Uh, he was actually a friend of, of one of the producers uh, who uh, this guy uh, uh, invited him to come to the uh, to the casting, and, and he came to read for the president actually initially, 
And ah. um, because uh, he he just he looked actually like sort of this pres- this this politician that was sort of popular at the time, and um, and uh, we thought it would be kind of funny, like oh like oh isn't it funny like this guy it would be like an alternate Taiwan where like that politician became president <laughs> and and that would in terms of the Taiwanese audience it would kind of con- like oh like it would connect a lot of stuff but yeah um, in the end. Um, I just took a look at him and I saw sort of his presence and I was just like, I think you should try reading for this character. I think that you might like, it's a bigger part and I think you might like it more. And I explained to him kind of the the motivation of the businessman, like kind of being like a, you know, a, a kind of a guy who doesn't fit in and hasn't really been able to get his life together uh, over, over his, you know, whatever, like, you know, almost 60 years of life. And uh, he feels very frustrated and, then one day he gets this virus and it allows him to kind of finally figure out who he is. And, um, and, uh, he, he really liked, he really liked the idea and he, he read for the part and, uh, and he added sort of this, uh, this sort of intense like darkness that wasn't, that I didn't really write or that I, not that I didn't write, but that I didn't, uh, consider early on like I considered it more like he was just sort of like laughing and giggling and jittering like kind of shaking all the time but he yeah. kind of brought this sort of like stillness yeah to yeah. it and, uh, and I was like oh okay that's actually way better than what I was thinking do do that <laughs> and then uh and then we um yeah we just went ahead with him and he was just great he was a real cheerleader too like he he believed in the film like he really liked the really liked the script really liked the the spartan nature of the script and how it was like um just like a good old fashioned, um, exploitation film. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was great, a, a wonderful presence to just have on set and really like elevated the movie and, um, helped to kind of like, uh, encourage me and give me like confidence in the production as well. Cause I'm like a first time director. So it was just nice to have people who have been, who have been actors for 20 odd years, uh, very much in support of, of what you're doing, you know? Yeah. 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 I love with his character as well how you see it from the beginning of just the subtle effects of this virus kicking in and what he does and what he says and then it just gets progressively worse with him and right. you see that you see his sort of journey as it takes him over. I really enjoyed that as well because of course there's so many other characters. You know the virus has gone wild that yeah. you see characters who have they're just right in the throes of everything and they and they're going completely crazy. But with him, you see it more or less from the beginning and he's starts off just a little bit a little bit creepy and then it just escalates beyond anything you can think of the way the way i see it it's like he he like the the the, he um he carries the virus the most naturally like because it's Mm. almost like it's with him it's almost like a missing piece of of a puzzle like it's like Mm. it's like he was this virus is something that um he's just sort of been waiting to get infected with his entire life. Like, like it actually makes him more like himself, you know? Yeah. Whereas other people, it like, whereas other people, it destroys their lives for him. It, it makes him, makes him whole, you know, that's the way that I kind of look at that. And that in fact is kind of the way that I see the whole film. Like, like that, that's sort of what the, that's sort of what the film is about for me. Like that kind of sort of idea of um, finding purpose and kind of, this extremely nightmarish situation or something. Um, and then that maybe that is kind of reflected in the finale to some degree, like the, the mm-hmm. speech given by, by our, uh, our main character. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm very happy with the film. I, I, I uh, 
it's just, it's so nice to, to, to put together a film and to like, and to watch it in its entirety, like, you know, the first time and kind of be like, I think this is good. You know, I think this is working. And, uh, and then you show it to people and then, and then, uh, uh, you know, maybe the first people you show it to, uh, don't really, don't really understand what you're doing. And they're kind of like, Oh, I don't know. But then finally, like you, you get, you get an opportunity to show it to this international audience and to like mm-hmm. to you and, and your, and your missus and whatnot. And, and you guys just having a great time watching it. So yeah. it's, it's real nice to, uh, to see, uh, to see it kind of finding uh, its little its little niche in the world, you know. Has this got you going already for the next film? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have an idea for another one. I just need to make sure that, um, uh, you know, in the, yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to finish the festival run. We're going to try to close mm-hmm. a few deals on uh, on, uh, um, you know, distribution, like wide release sort of business stuff and uh if we can if we can kind of uh you know get a few things taken care of then all of a sudden the sadness becomes uh a a success in the eyes of like the financiers and yeah and then uh you know then we get started in the next one um but yeah i have an i have an idea for another one i want to do something that's more of like a monster movie something that's more about like uh um creatures and sort of you know some sort of weird life cycle that's happening. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it, it, it probably won't be as, uh, like, I mean, the, 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 the sadness functions on like sort of this intentional cruelty sort of aspect. Um, but this movie that I'm thinking of doing later, it functions more on kind of like this mindless, mindless sort of, uh, um, aggression that comes from nature that doesn't actually have like cruelty or, or, or uh, intention in mind. It's just sort of just trying to live, trying to spread, but there's no malice involved. So I'm trying to think about like how to, how to kind of make it scary because, because in fact, malice is the scariest thing. Right. So yeah. Um, like, like intentionally trying to harm someone is, is the scariest thing for me. Uh, just, just sort of uh, nature doing its thing is, is, forgivable at the very least right so i'm just trying to think about how how i can kind of structure this to really make it scary because i know that everybody who who goes to see the next film will want something that's like scary you know or at least intense or or whatever i don't know what the proper adjective is but uh, you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah I'm yeah about the audience is what is what i'm saying you know, i i don't want to i don't want to disappoint them next time that's it now because the, the sadness has gone down so well with audiences are you gonna feel a bit of pressure because they're going this was awesome What's he going to do next? Is that going to add a, you know, a bit more to you when you go into making your second film? Or how, how difficult is that to put that to the back of your head when you're going through this creative process when your um, first film has gone down so well? I guess it's just, yeah, I guess, I mean, like, you know, you, you just have to kind of think of it kind of like what, like, you know, what's the best, like, what's the best idea? I'll never, uh, you know, never, uh, it's, it's, it's important to stick to your guns and to stick to your vision. But if, but if sort of something comes along uh, and, and you get sort of like a, a you, I don't know, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, like I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the door, the doors kind of closed and, and try not to think too much about what people might want and kind of creating a movie for like sort of this hypothetical idea of like what people might want to see next. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, 
I already, I've had this idea that I've had this idea before I even did the sadness. This is actually an older idea, but, um, I, I mean, all, all I can, all I can really do is just make sure that the, um, the, like, for example, like the, the execution is just handled as well as possible because it's there, you know, with the, with this film that I want to do next, it's really important that like, we believe that certain things are, are like certain fantastical things are, are real. And if, yeah. if things look fake or if things like, like you have to kind of think, okay, like where can we kind of cut corners and, and where do we have to really put in work? Um, um, okay. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm not even a little bit <laughs> concerned. Like I, I, I know exactly like sort of what I need to do. And yeah. at the end of the day, like, you just have to follow your own kind of intuition about like what's good and what isn't. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm as much of a horror fan as anybody else. Um, you know, probably to some degree, I'm more of a horror fan because I actually went out of my way to, to, to make, make my own. Right. So, yeah. you, you know, you have to just trust your own taste and trust your own instincts and stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm list, I'm looking at critiques of the sadness and I'm looking at the places where people have, have, um, you know, have uh, said things that are, Oh, you know, it'd be a lot better if this part was, was this instead, or if, Oh, this part goes on for too long. Um, I'm paying attention to those things. And I'm thinking, is that, is that true? Or is this person just trying to, you know, act like they're better than the film, you know, cause, cause that's, that's really what being a reviewer is, you know, being a reviewer is just sort of this opportunity to talk about yourself, you know, like, you know what I thought, I thought this, you know, and it's just like, but at the same time, like there is, there is relevant stuff in there. They oftentimes, like when you get um, wounded by a review, the reason why you're, you're wounded by it is because you thought the same thing. So I'm, again, I guess this is coming around, coming around about because um, I'm always open to the, to the, uh, to the good idea. If someone criticizes the work and I agree with it, I'll, I'll address that for the next one, you know? So yeah. Okay. I'm done talking. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm already waiting for, a blu-ray release of this um being a you know a collector of physical media i want a blu-ray of this so fingers crossed I, you know what I'll, I'll tell you right now that if if i'm uh if it goes the way that i believe it goes i believe it'll be a really nice release that'll have a lot of a lot of extra material in it and not and when i say Excellent. extra material i don't just mean on the blu-ray itself i mean like in the package itself oh, i have yeah. i have lots of stuff that i want to include um depending on who releases it i really hope that um Raven Banner will will do their own release of the sadness, um, and I think that might be in the cards. Although I shouldn't, I can't make any guarantee at this point. But if they do, I've, I've already been talking with them about all this, all this stuff that I want to put into it, and all this, all this Fantastic. work that I'm willing to do just to kind of get all this stuff together, so people have a really nice, really nice, like comprehensive, uh, the sadness package. You know, so uh, I, I hope that I can I can deliver something that'll knock your socks off. You know. That sounds good. Well, I'll be first in the queue to buy it, Rob. Definitely. Definitely. I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, for the sake of the edit, we shall uh, we'll wrap this up. But again, people are going to watch it at Grimfest. You're in for a great ride. Everybody listening to this or watching the, the video show, watch the sadness. Buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray as well. Support Rob and I for one and Tina as well. We're waiting for your next film now, Rob. So that's it. Awesome, man. I appreciate the... Uh... I appreciate the call and, and appreciate the time you take you took to uh, to watch the film and also to, to answer me, sorry, to ask me all of these uh, interesting questions. That's right. Hopefully we'll talk again in the future, Rob. Hope so. Uh, have fun at uh, have fun at Grimfest.
We'll do. Oh yeah, it is such a fantastic festival. It's you know it's a highlight every year. Brimfest has really good like like trophies. I really hope that I yes. win something there because uh, they have the they have like really really awesome little like Grim Reaper like trophies. I, I'd love one of those. That would be perfect on my uh, on my little uh, mantle. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think I think you stand a good chance for the audience vote, Rob. I really do. Good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rob. Talk to you later. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. Uh, it's great chatting with Rob. Again, it was it's always good when I can actually see the person that I'm chatting to as well. So again, go over to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, and uh, watch some of the interview shows that are on there too. While you're there, you know, just spread the news about us, be it through the YouTube channel, go to our website, 60mw.co.uk, tell everybody about that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 60mwpodcast. Leave us a review. You know the score by now. Come on. Come on. I'll, I'll, I'll play a poorly card. Oh, please. I'm, I'm going into hospital tomorrow. Do me a favor. <laughs> write, write us a review. That'd be nice. Spread the news about our podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Go on. Did that work? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, as I said at the beginning, this will be the last podcast just for a little while until I'm back on my feet. Uh, and again, as I said at the beginning, we've got lots more shows already in the can to put into your ears. Um, rant shows, spotlight shows, TNA shows, th th and more, and more. There's a lot more coming at you. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, the website and the podcast will be back soon, but follow us on Twitter and I'll keep updating there what's happening um, with everything 60MW related. <laughs>